Hello, and welcome to On the Corner, the official PitchList.com podcast. I am your host, Eric Samolski, joined by the man himself, the daily streamer, Nick Pollock. Nick, what is happening? You got, you got big news for consumers on the horizon yes, here. Uh, today, today is the 13th of November when we're recording this. I don't know when this is going to come out. Probably actually in a couple of weeks, I think. I don't know. But I'm returning to my playback.tv daily morning streams on November the 14th as I go through every single rotation and free agents for this offseason, including also doing the Plus Pitch podcast again. And that will be the uh, the one for the new year. So super excited about that. We have 20 million things that we're working on at the same time. Um, meeting a lot of uh, potential new staffers this week, too, as we go through our interview process. Super excited for that as well. Um, but I mean, had first pitch Arizona. Eric and I were just talking about before the mm-hmm. cast started. We want him to be there. You had a wedding, didn't you? Yeah, not not mine for the people that are out there. Um, <laughs> Long time ago. I, for that. I'd be less uh, I'd be less bummed because you know you know you you really want to be at your own wedding. Uh, this one was mm-hmm. a, listen. It was a good wedding. Happy I was there. Yeah, of um, course. but well, you need to be there. You know, I you're yeah. on. Uh, you know, you're scrolling on Twitter and seeing everybody talk about the best weekend of their life and seeing everybody, you know, talking baseball, watching baseball. Yeah. Um, so I was bummed so to miss good. it. Uh, I'm super hopeful um, to get out there for the next now, one. There is so. one thing, though. If you are there, that means Miles a streak of three straight on the corners that he needs to step in for as host will be over if you're there. So maybe, you know, just we'll figure something out. Maybe uh, I'll get... I'll just plan to get really bad food poisoning one night. But just no, just like when you're there, though, be there already, and then you're going to do it, and then something happens, right? Sure. Um, You just lose your voice the previous day, and Miles needs to do it instead. I'll work work on that. But also, I'm just really happy to be doing stuff again. I got uh, my wisdom teeth pulled last week. Um, Yeah. If you're curious why I wait until 35 for my right side, well, that's a whole story. Um, You just have to ask me in person. But we got pictures. Sounds beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. So do you. Yeah, I think so you. you. Um, so yeah, you it, you're just up and it's you know you're doing it for your craft. You got the wisdom <laughs> is, teeth right? out for your craft. Yeah, you know, just just making it even on both sides so that I sure. can direct straight into the mic better than ever. Yeah, just it's it's all for you, the listening public. <laughs> um, we are continuing on with our ranking uh, of Nick's top 200, which again is available on PitcherList.com. Um, this episode focuses on pitchers 51 to 60 um it's a really interesting tier a mix of uh some guys that are old and potentially breaking down and some guys that are young and and on the come up um so i'm excited to get into these names as a reminder for everybody uh this is a continuation of a tier that began um with pitcher number 48 hunter brown uh pitcher number 49 hunter green um and then because nick couldn't find another hunter pitcher number 50 (laughs) Dylan Cease. Um, so this is a continuation of that tier. And again, friendly reminder to p- please read the blurbs um, over yes. on pitcherlist.com in the top 200. Um, Nick and I are obviously going to talk about all these guys, but it's nice not to just focus on the numbers, but focus on why the numbers are there. Mm. There you go. Um, so Nick, we only have one tier here. Um, so we're not going to get to do a lot of listing things going on, um, which I know is a bummer for you know pitcher list um, when Crazy. you can't list anything. But for those people out there who don't live in New York City, um, New York has dipped into the 30s, which means uh, the radiators have kicked on. Oh, no. uh, many of us don't control our own heat. Uh, no, the landlords don't. do it for us. Um, and something you might not know about New Yorkers is 
we don't really know how radiators work. Uh, they just turn on. Uh, they make really loud clinking noises. Um, and it seems like the only two temperatures available are sauna or yeah. I'm just going to turn this entire thing off completely. Yep, pretty much. Um, so that that's an interesting uh, struggle with living in New York right now. But I wanted to ask you, um, amidst the struggles and the, the cold and the gloom of New York in the winter, what is the one what is one thing that you love about living in this city um, oh man so first and this foremost, was going to be way, for a list but you know you there's no this list is, this, so is the perfect, this is the perfect title of this tier but because this is um this is the, the the section where they could be really great and wonderful exactly what you need or they could just be incredibly cold and just you suffer through it and that's what it's like when you turn on your radiator or not you're going through this of is it going to be warm enough for me to be good or is it going to be way too hot for me to handle? Do I turn it off and go the whole FDR route because I just mm-hmm. don't want to deal with the struggle of getting my pliers to fix it because my plastic handle broke? So now I literally need to get pliers to twist the <laughs> screw so that the radiator goes on and off. Um, as it radiates heat, that's how they work. And also the steam gets released too. Yes. Uh, that's why it's a radiator. Haha. Um, but I... Uh, but my favorite thing about New York, I say it often. I mean, there's only really two, but the number one for me is I need to feed off the energy of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I love big country. I, I am so content there. It is gorgeous. I feel at home with it and calm. And as someone who's had anxiety forever, it is so nice to wake up and just feel the world around you in you know the middle of Colorado. So just nature and just peace and great. However, when you're building a website and a company and trying to do all these things in your life and you're very much like I want to have all these goals and everything. I need New York to say like, yes, we're with you constantly. Mm -hmm. And I need that feeling of constant motion. Yeah. Um, It's not my, the time of my life to be content and New York is the place for me to ensure that I don't get there quite yet. I get Um, that. The other thing is that everything goes to New York. So if you want to see friends, you want to see anything that happens, they just come to New York eventually. You don't need to go anywhere. So that's also the great thing, too. But there's nothing like a morning in the country, like a cup of coffee. You look out at some trees, maybe some sort of river or lake or whatever. It's it's beautiful. And then by noon, I'm like, so what's going on? What are we doing? Yeah, uh, exactly. And it gets fidgety and it's just like, no. And it's I need that energy. I need I need to know that I could be doing something else. Sure. But I'm not. Yeah. I choose it's, it. It's a choice. As opposed making. to yeah. the lack of power I have, I want to, but I can't out yeah. in the country. So. You need a choice, um, yes. which is a perfect segue into our first picture because you made a choice. I did. To rank this person 51. Um, and I made a choice to rank this person 35. <laughs> um, so tell us why you don't like Chris Sale. I, I won't say I don't like him. Um I, I want to say that as long as Chris Sale pitches, we're fine. Um, there are there are multiple things going against him. One, it's the velocity that we just don't know what we're going to get. Some days, we, some days we saw like a, I don't know, 91, 92. Mm-hmm. Some games we saw a 94, 95 on his heater. We also saw a PLV on his slider that dropped dramatically. Um, we're talking always above 5, 537, 2021, uh, and 22 is 531, so we're 571. 
Chris Sale slider in 2023 was just a 4.94. That is 15th percentile among all sliders. Oh, boy. Um, that is not what you want to see for what we consider one of the better breaking balls in the game. Fewer called strikes on it because of it. I mean, that's probably what is a major part of that PLV is just saying, hey, look, you're not throwing sliders and normally get called strikes. A lot of missing um, arm side as well. A lot of them becoming more hittable than we normally see from him. So those two things combined say, yeah, generally the quality of games should be high. You know, 113 whip is fantastic. 29% K rate when he did pitch across about 100 innings in 2022. But it was a 4-3 ERA, which doesn't surprise me as much. Um, The home run rate went up as well. I'm not too shocked by it. And this idea that, well, as long as Chris Sale is pitching, he should always be good. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sold on. So you have a low volume anyway, right? And uh, I I mean, anyone that says, cool, Chris Sale is going to get 140, 150 innings. I'm just like, come on. That, that, that is a really, really hard ask, I think, for Chris Sale. Even though there were fluke injuries, it's unlikely. We just know that something is messed up in that arm, which is why he's fluctuating so much with velocity, always. Um, and then how good is it going to be? I don't quite know. But we're at the point where we say it's not about having that guy that lasts for four uh, for the entire season. It's about quality out of the gate, and Chris Sale could be of quality out of the gate, and you can get a lot of good production in that. And there are a fair number of guys inside of this tier that follow that mentality, um, which is why they're all inside of it. And Chris Sale, to me, is the pinnacle of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the injury thing is interesting because the last four times he was placed on the IL, three of them, to me, are not arm-related. Right. One was obviously... That's so weird. COVID back in 2021. The then he had a stress right. fracture in his rib and then he yeah. broke a finger. Like those are, those like are fluky, fluky yeah. things. Now we should say this summer it was a shoulder injury, um, right. which is obviously related to the arm and is something that, you know, 34 years old, you don't love. Um, and that does kind of connect to some of the um, velocity issues you were talking about. I think for me, when I am now getting to like, the middle of the late and the late thirties and the rankings. Um, I'm looking at a guy who I think can still pitch like a top tier starting pitcher has the potential to still pitch like a top tier starting pitcher when on the mound, there were a lot of games this year where he looked pretty good. And there were a lot of games where he had huge blowups. I think what's under the surface is a little bit more interesting to me than the, the baseline numbers. You know, the ERA doesn't look great. Um, and even a one-one-three whip is really not bad, considering that he didn't pitch well for for stretches. Sure. Um, a three-fifty Sierra um, or you know a three-seventy-two xFIP, depending on you know what ERA predictor you like. Um, a thirteen-point-two percent swing strike rate is still pretty good. Thirty-point-four percent CSW still good. Um, you mentioned the issues with the slider, but it still had a 17.7% swinging strike rate on it uh, on the whole. Um, and that's not like vintage sale. It also had a 12% barrel rate. So you're, all those concerns are valid about the slider. I just look at this as a guy who's battled majority fluke injuries over the last couple of years mixed with the shoulder injury, who I think because we talked about the, the risk of a lot of pitchers if I'm getting like 120 good innings of 
Chris Sale on what I think will be a really will be a strong team because Boston has made it pretty clear they're they fired Heim Bloom and brought in a GM who's going to spend money so that they yeah. can that that was part of their transition. They're going for it to an extent now, right? Um, and so like, do I think that I could get a three seven ERA with you know, he had a 10.9 K per nine this year in a bad year. Like, could I get a 370 ERA with a 10.9 K per nine on a good team? Like, for 120 innings? I, yeah, I like that. Um, right. And, so and then I, if I'm in an I, and obviously if I'm in an NFBC format, I might move him lower down if I don't have access well, to yeah, an but IR. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. I, I guess really my pushback is I hope we're getting that. It's hard to discern if we are because it would the strikeouts would come and go. You know, we'd have two games of five strikeouts each, then ten and seven, and then two, and then we'd have a seven strikeout game, a three strikeout game, a nine strikeout game, and it's just there's so much volatility start to start. Um, One game was literally eleven strikeouts against the Twins. The next one against Baltimore was zero. I guess innings, right? I guess my question then is like, I guess it's a a matter of does it really matter? Is your question like it's a hundred? It's a hundred innings. Right. Of a guy who it's no, this, this past season was <laughs> oh, yeah, hundred sure, innings yeah. of a guy who had thrown less than 50 combined innings over yeah, the yeah. two previous seasons. So obviously right. we're probably dealing with some rust and other things of that nature mm-hmm. at 34 years old. It really is just a question of, do you think that what we've seen before from Chris sale is gone or are you willing to say, okay, he's not, the 211 ERA Chris Sale of the past, but he's better than what he showed. The, the flashes he showed last year are an right. indication that that talent yeah. is still there. And if we well, shake some know. of That's, the rust, yeah. we get uh, we get a slightly worse version than we're right. used to, but we're still getting what is a useful fantasy starter. Yeah, so that that's the hard part is saying, okay, the flashes we saw, you know, this is this is often the example for me is like a pitcher with two pitchers pitches. Where um, when one part isn't doing well, but the other part's doing well, what I normally see, or it's like new skill versus old school skill. When someone has lost their old skill, but they have a new skill, what happens before the other is that the new skill fades before the old skill returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm, why I'm saying that is if we're looking at last year and there's a way of being optimist and saying, well, he had these flashes. So thus, I think those flashes, more of them will come. And I'm being the pessimist saying, well, I see the downsides and I think that he's going to trend more towards the downsides more than the the good sides, right? Yeah. Um, and I have a 51 pretty much saying like, once I have my four, if Chris Taylor is there, I'll take a chance on this, especially mm-hmm. out of the gate because I'm going to quickly get rid of it if it doesn't work out. I'm recognizing that these are the guys like the radiator that is just, should I keep it cold? You know, do I endure the bad? How can I make a decision early on Chris Taylor or not? And I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of volatility, which might not be the thing that you want to go for. It yeah. might be great and you feel awesome about this and you just got um, like a stud for like three months and that's incredible. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it works out for Chris I, Yeah, I could see moving him into my top, in my high 40s and saying if he's my SP4, I feel pretty good about like rolling the dice mm-hmm. with that yeah. instance. So, so I can I mean, see that. So to just to really carry this on, because I mean, really, this the conversation we just had, we can apply to almost everyone here so <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna act as host quickly because it's nitty is always the next one mo- exactly. and that's He's the same idea yeah. right because velocity was fine he looked like you looked so good at the beginning i even said like oh man i really missed on anything evaldi and then the summer was what on earth is going on velocity would go down evan grant 
um, beat writer uh, for the Rangers was like, what is this? You're down to 94. Why aren't you starting? You know, why is he still starting when he should be throwing 96 or so? He finally misses some time. It's all really down in September. Then he shows up in the postseason and is back to like 95, 96. No problem. Hit 97 and whatnot. I'm just I'm thinking, where is this? The way I really see it right now, I'll be honest, is Evaldi just went into the tank and said, well, I need to win a World Series and I'm going to do this in hopes that, you know, by the time March, April arrives, he's recovered enough. Um, I'm terrified. Yeah. I also can imagine that he might be fine for a month or two and then it might go down south uh, and that would still be productive. So I don't know anything, Evaldi. I think you need to have the velocity. You have seen him survive at 93, 94 before. But we also know that really, if he just lives at 93, 8.5 for the entire season, Evaldi just is not worth a whole lot in your fantasy leagues for 12 teamers. 15 teamers actually still kind of productive, but not really for your 12. Yeah, I think you'll ride a hot stretch here and there with him. Um, but as you mentioned, like there are some things that that are just not super intriguing to me. Um, you know, I, I, I would I personally prefer the upside of sale. Obviously, you know, fourteen point seven percent strikeout minus walk ratio is not really great. Um, he had a a sixty fourth percentile swing strike rate. Um, you know, a 40, a 44th percentile CSW, like these are things that are kind of like you're looking under the hood and you're just, eh, it's just, there's not a lot right. that's like, Hey, yeah, I mean, there's something it, here when he had a really good stretch of like ridiculous sure. CRA. I mean, it wasn't, he, he just wasn't dominating at the level that makes you feel yeah, the super way that, enticed. The way that Evaldi does it is also splitters, right? And mm-hmm. um, and when the splitter's cooking, that's it, he can get away with it a little bit more, which then you guys know most volatile pitch in baseball is the splitter. Also, Evaldi's had this issue of diminishing velocity for two straight years routinely. Yeah. This isn't something that we just think is going to go away. You know, yes. really, this is just, it's pushing us in this fashion. So again, I have Evaldi past that point of dependable starters that I think will be there the, the entire year. I'm seeing Chris Sale and Nathan Evaldi as early gets. There's another uh, two guys I think are like that. There's actually someone at the end that we're going to talk about who I might be liking more than the rest of these at this point. Um, but I, uh, but yeah, there's two others that are very much the same mold of Evaldi and um, and Sale. And we'll talk about them soon. Yeah. Uh, I, anything I else say- add on Evaldi? No, I just will say the feather, the one thing that works in his favor, the move to the to uh, globe field to, to the Rangers does help mm-hmm. the homer to fly ball issues, the home run per nine sure. issues that he yeah. has had in the past. So that is yeah. one thing where like we could see that continuing to improve, which might help the ERA. Right. But I think, you know, we're both in a point where this isn't some dominant arm. However, yeah. I'm I'm way more confident in him than your next guy. And yeah. I would love for you to talk to me about how you view Eovaldi and Charlie Morton so close because I, I can't see myself pulling the trigger on, on Morton. Right. So what's kind of interesting um, is uh, what Eovaldi did last year was he reduced his hit for nine by like two points from 9.5 to 7.3. And that's why uh, the whip was fine despite the higher walk rate. I mean, a 7.3 hit per nine is a really good thing, guys. If you have like over a nine, you're like, oh boy, that's innately, you already have a whip over one and then whatever the walk rate is. Um, now Charlie Morton went up though, 6.6, 7.8, now up to 8.3 and his walk rate went up to 11.6%, which is, 
What's so interesting about Morden is he was really good for so many fantasy teams. He had 14 wins. He had a 26% strikeout rate, 163 innings of that. And uh, 3.64 E rate, just fine. You're okay with it. It got a little bit worse by the end, but really, Charlie Morton helped a lot, except the 143 whip. It was so, so bad because he walked more batters and the hit per nine was bad. And he had games where he didn't have his curveball. And what's really funny, I joked about it this last offseason, was it, in 2021, Morton didn't kick in until May. In 2022, he didn't kick in until June. And I used to joke, oh, he's not going to kick in until July. And that's kind of what he did. He, he had this an unbelievable stretch in July. And I was like, you got to be joking. Um, now, I don't know if Charlie Morton's going to be on Atlanta or in the majors he, anywhere. He, 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 he resigned. Well, didn't, no, no, I think the Braves um, accepted the option, the club option. But I don't know if Morton has announced that he is oh, retiring true. or not. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes. So uh, that might happen still. Um, like they, the, Atlanta did their part saying, well, if you're playing in the majors, you're playing with us. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm reading into that wrong. Maybe that does actually confirm that he has not retired. Um, but at any point, I, you can just kind of say, yeah, I'm done. Uh, so he could, um, he could walk. I mean, he's walking away from $20 million, but he could. Yeah, right. But he it. could just do that if he wanted. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's what he did. He, he signed for two years last year and he said, OK, mm-hmm. cool. If I'm doing this, I'm going to do it with Atlanta for two years. And obviously I can also just move away if I want. Um, and Atlanta was like, well, if you're just so bad that first year, we're not going to sign a second one. Um, so anyway, Charlie Morden, I compare him to Zach Eflin, if you guys remember that part of the podcast, because they both are three pitch guys for the most part with a fastball, a cutter and a curveball. I just think of them similarly in this way. Um, I don't dislike Charlie Morgan, and I feel that what we might see is we might see him kind of feeling like this is the end of it for him. So mm-hmm. he might just push as hard as he can early, knowing that he's not going to survive the entire year. And that might be kind of cool, especially for a winning team, really good defense behind him, still having strikeouts in ERA. Obviously, the walks need to get fixed at a 12% mark. I kind of see that as an outlier. I think last year, especially with the higher CSW at 32%, like you should not have that high of a uh, walk rate, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the strike rates did go down um, a little bit on the curveball. Um, it did a little bit on the four-seamer as well on the changeup. And he pulled back on the cutter tremendously. I mean, down... I'm mean, not really pulled Way back down. on it. Pulled back on the strike rates on it. It was a 68% in 2022 and all of a sudden 59, which was shocking to say the least. Yeah. But it was still... Well, but he, you know, he pulled back on those fastballs or, or the, the cutter and the sinker he pulled back on. Yeah, a little bit. Two points on the cutter and then four points on the, on the sinker. Yeah. Absolutely. And both it's, were just not getting strikes. So yeah, I understand it, why. The concern for me is like it's a 40-year-old pitcher with an elite yeah. curveball and not much else. And I don't know if we've ever seen... A forty-year-old pitcher with a really good. I don't ever had a great season like two years ago, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and then and then it just became unusable. And that's and that's where that risk is. But you know, I I think you're. I do think the to say to your point, it's like Morton's going to go as that curveball goes, um, and so you're going to. I think you're going to know when it's over. Exactly, and I can't tell you guys enough. Really, sit down with yourself as a manager and say. I'm going to value guys. I can make early decisions on this year. Right. Because that table, again, there were what, 30 guys you could have picked up in April or May that were not drafted, who were pretty much steady through the year for you. And instead, if you're having a guy who you're undecided about and you realize in July and August was the wrong call. Well, guess what? You couldn't you can't replace yeah. him with Bobby Miller now. So get the ones that you can make a quick decision on. 
And then that gives you the opportunity to get that Bobby Miller, that Bryce yeah. Miller, that, that Brian Wu, so on and so forth. It's a huge, I understand. Huge thing. I understand that, and I fully support that. And I I believe in taking those guys. I'll just do it after the next tier of of players who are coming up who have significantly, in my opinion, higher upside. And mm. we'll get to those guys after this break. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all your holiday to-dos. Factor has helped me stay on top of my schedule while having satisfying meals that I was actually really surprised that I enjoyed from a variety of different foods that kept me going in my day. Are you looking for special occasion meals during the holidays? Level up with gourmet plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Enjoy premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. And when you're too busy running around to plan lunch, Factor has you covered with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwaves required. Head to Factormeals.com slash OTC50 and use code OTC50 to get 50% off. That's code OTC50 at Factormeals.com slash OTC50 to get 50% off. So one of the first guys with higher upside is your starting pitch number 54, who still kind of falls into this like veteran with some injury issues, but he's a little bit younger than the names that we mentioned before. And I think the upside is potentially a little bit higher. um, And it's Carlos Rodon. So talk to me about your feelings on on him heading into 2024. You know, it's actually funny. Once we stopped doing the Charlie Morin thing and took the break for a second, I actually looked at the opening schedule for Atlanta just to, just to see like what they would get. And the fourth start would be the White Sox. If Charlie Morton gets that one, it's like, oh, well, that's actually kind of fun. Maybe some early value there. But then it's the Phillies beforehand. So if he gets the Phillies, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Anyway, um, Carlos Rodon, I, I, look, I'm going to put it simply. If you all think that Carlos Rodon is forever cooked and terrible now, that's possible. But if he's not, then what? (laughs) I mean, Carlos Rodon had two starts last year, two that were above 96 miles per hour on his four-seamer. And he tallied 19 strikeouts in those back-to-back starts. It was phenomenal. It was, oh, wait, here's Carlos Rodon doing great things again. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then the next start, he was at 94 and then 93 and change. And then that was the season. So I don't know, you know, I think once we get clarity in February and March, we'll see his spring numbers and his velocity. This rank is going to change. Sure. The idea that Carlos Rodon, if he comes out pumping 96, I mean, great. Then I'll ride that for as long as it lasts. The second he starts averaging 94 and change again, then okay, we're done. How we use his fastball too wasn't as good. The command of it wasn't nearly as um, well, just the pitch overall just wasn't as overwhelming as we've mm-hmm. seen. So there's that element too. But once that four, if that four seamer looks like it used to, then everything's great. I just re- I, I know that there's so much there's a ton of pendulum swinging that happens when you're on the Yankees, yes. and a public perception of a player is very much driven by Yankee fandom. It's just kind of how it is. Everyone also wants Yankee signings, big Yankee signings, to fail. And that will thus change that perception again. The concept that now Carlos Rodon, after not even giving us like half a season um, of being worse, is now this forever 
I don't know. It's mm-hmm. possible, but we're at the point of, hey, if you're looking for that major upside guy after SP50, like, yeah, Carlos Rodon could be that. But for how many innings, Nick? I don't care. I, like, if he's a stud for three months, you've won this pick. Um, there were only like four guys. I actually looked at this with ADP. I think I've talked about it before. But I looked at ADP from last year of the top 50 starters. And those that were actually drafted, not even after 290 or so, of the ones that were drafted. And there really were only four pitchers that were, oh, man, that's the one that I really wish I got. And one, of course, was Zach Eflin, right? And one was Nathan Nivaldi, too. I'm like, okay. Justin Steele was another one. And I can't even remember the fourth. It was like Eduardo Rodriguez or something. And I'm like, okay. Like, that. that's that's what I'm talking about. So at this point, right. Carlos Rodon is the one you should chase, right? That just makes all the sense. I would even argue he should be above Nathan Nivaldi at this point. Maybe even over Chris Sale. Because it's just, if this clicks, like, what? Uh, everyone's just going to be like, oh, yeah, right. It was a lost season. He was hurt all last year. Now he's not. <laughs> see, I, I could see him being I could see him being close to sale. I still personally would have sale higher because I think we've seen a longer track record of of success. Rodon's last two years in 2021 and 2022 were exceptionally high, but we didn't really see anything before that. He battled injuries. He never really sure. made good on on that talent level. We knew the talent was there. But there were a lot of things holding him back. So for me, for sale, I can say, okay, here's two guys battling injuries who battled injuries last year who almost had just kind of like throw the year away because they were rusty and didn't look like themselves. They both are are on teams that are probably going to be competitive with offenses that will, you know, hopefully support them with enough wins. Um, and they both could totally implode and fall off a cliff who do i think is more who do i feel more likely will hit a usable fantasy ceiling i think for me it's sale in the sense where like if you had like one of those weird graphs of like rodan's ceiling i think is higher but his likelihood of hitting that ceiling for me is smaller than chris sales likelihood of hitting like a three seven ERA with yeah. solid strikeouts. Sure. Um, yeah, but um, I'm willing to just be fully first... say Rodon didn't pitch 64 innings last year. Like in my head, I'm willing right. to just be like, it didn't happen because right. he clearly, if you watch him, he clearly was not the pitcher Ready. that we've come to know. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I will like that like sticks in my craw, even in that small sample, is like. He had a 15.2% homer to fly ball rate. And I know he didn't, his arsenal wasn't, you know, itself last year, but he's also coming off of pitching for the White Sox and the Giants and is now at Yankee Stadium. And so I do think those home runs will be a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not willing to say, like, oh, that 210 homer per nine is his new true value. Like, I'm not willing to go there. I just think that might be why you, you might not reach the full highs of. 2021 and 22 is sure. he is in a worse ballpark yeah i'm with you there um a couple things really quickly one despite even having this terrible 64 inning season it was still a 14 percent swing strike which was 27th among all sure. major league starters which is with worse stuff which is kind of interesting two when you say track record i'm going to give you a pushback that over the last three years the track record is better for carlos Rodon than it is chris sale Agreed. Um, well, also, yeah, because sale sale through fifty combined innings the last fair two enough. Seasons, but like so the yeah. first the last like three seasons we've seen of them. But I mean, it's uh you know Rodon like twenty one twenty two being like, hey, 
I, I everyone questioned me in 2021 yes. and then I just repeated it in 2022 and then Agreed. clearly I'm just hurt all of 2023. Agreed. Um, so the you know it's just about health in that way and I think that yeah Chris Sale's volatility is is, is more clear in this way than it is Rodon's. Um, uh, last thing, I think this is our first board bet. I'm going to say as of May 1st this year, like in 2024, in May 1st, I'm going to say that fancy managers are going to want to have Carlos Rodon over Chris Sale. And I'm imagining you're going to say, Carl, you're going to want to have Chris Sale over Carlos Rodon on May 1st. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I love that we're yeah. both going to be like, we're watching the first spring start and this guy's at like, the, or the, you know, the last spring yeah. start, the tune up and the guys are like still at 91. And we're like, oh, God. Damn, oh, and both of them are like, oh, gosh, which one do we want on May yeah. 1st? I don't know. But yeah, we could, right. we could, we could put it up, put it, first on, the one, board. Put it on the board. <laughs> no, no, okay. Love it. Put it on the board. All right. That is Carlos Rodon versus yes. Chris Sale on May 1st uh, specifically. Listen, that was my first pictureless sound effect. Yeah, this is a cool thing that we have now. I actually have the soundboard built in. So love we it. have sound effects. I know. I love it. Uh, I, I know I need right to get now. the cha-ching back on to here yeah. and a couple other things. But yeah, we got that guy. Um, who's next on the list that isn't well, actually on the list anymore over yeah, here? So, so talk here. to the people real quick yeah. about number 54 because we're going to talk about him more in depth later on. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we might just do it now just because we're kind of okay. going over all the top 200 and much, but we'll like, bring him up later again. Being, oh, this is where he probably will land. Um, so I'm doing uh, right now, if you guys know Lindy's Fantasy Baseball Magazine, it's the fantasy baseball magazine that goes on newsstands everywhere. It's like that magazine you see. Uh, you've seen for like 30 years or whatever. Um, I'm honored to be able to be the person that writes the 90 uh, top 90 blurbs there. And as I'm writing it, I'm making the small adjustments that I've been talking about with Eric for the past uh, month or so. Um, so it's a little bit more updated than the top 200 that you guys know on the site. And one player that I've realized over the past couple of weeks is too high on my list is Sawyer Gibson Long. And why is that? Because he might not be the fifth starter for the Tigers. Uh, it's a little weird at the moment. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez might not be coming back because he did opt out. So there is that at least added. But you have Casey Mize, Scooble, and Manning, the dream team from 2021 or whatever it was that everyone was hoping for, is finally actually going to be really going uh, in full steam with Mize coming back. Then, of course, you have Reese Olsen, who I think has a step above Gibson Long. Mm-hmm. And then Gibson Long would be the fifth. But I do think there will be something else added here for the Tigers. I don't really think that they're going to be going after Gibson Long after just 20 innings. Uh, and putting him in that full role right away is too too much of an assumption for me at this point. If Gibson Long does get that job, then he returns to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was making the assumption that he does. So there's that. The skill set to me uh, is a little bit similar to Logan Webb. Not quite, but just... If I had to give some comp, that's the one I've been giving just because it's synchronous with called strikes there. It is a changeup that he's trying to get outs with. A better slider than Webb, more reliable one. Um, that slider is 30% usage as opposed to like uh, Webb's, which is much lower. He uses uh, changeups 40% that is Logan Webb. But it's a solid, solid pitch. It needs to get more strikes. It's 57% strikes right now, just 16th percentile. I think that should go up, but a high 33% CSW. Um, it can be that all around uh, all encompassing pitch um, and big swing strike rate on that change of 29, uh, sorry, 27%, which is really cool in this small sample. Um, but uh, but there's also four seamers in the mix too. Long story short, Gibson Long is someone that I think actually has a pretty full repertoire, which I really like 
which should outline a better than 10% walk rate as the slider and the change get a little bit more refined um, and would mean that he can, can go six innings constantly. Obviously, he doesn't have Webb's changeup, but it's still a really good one. Uh, so I like him. I think he's good. It's just, you know, he's not he's not a 32% K rate guy. He's not a 110 sure. whip guy. He's not a 270 ERA guy. He's a 20 inning sample. Like, we've done this before, guys. Remember Tanner Houck? Remember Hunter Brown? You know, don't get too ridiculous on this stuff. Um, sometimes it kind of works out like Joe Ryan, uh, maybe. But, yeah, Gibson Long, solid. I, I don't think that if he's starting every five days that you would drop him on your teams with a little bit more upside, which I like. But you might have to stash him out of the gate. And I don't think that Gibson Long is someone that I'm stashing if he's not in that mm-hmm. rotation. I'm um, willing to – I'm going to say he doesn't make the rotation because another name you didn't bring up is Spencer Turnbull, who they oh, said well, is going to compete. I don't, yes, they for, gave him a shot. They're going to give him a shot. I, but I think that, like, yeah, to me, right. to me, you're if right. you're the Tigers and you're not contending, yeah. I really want Spencer Turnbull or, like, Alex Fiedo to win a spot oh, out of Fido, spring so that I can say, it. hey, who wants this guy? Especially with right. somebody like Turnbull who has flashed a yeah. – like, ability that a team would really want like right if if the tigers can put spencer turnbull in the rotation for two months and by june they can say hey look here's we've had two really good months of spencer turnbull like who wants him right then and then you bring up sawyer gibson long remembering that sawyer gibson long only had 34 innings at triple a before making his debut and had a 545 era um so we don't I don't think really yet know what that what that true talent sure. level is. Um, and so there's I don't think it's out of the question. Mention. I don't think it's uh, out of the question. Is that William Flores is in AAA as well? Mm-hmm. Um, we saw him in the AFL. I'm not totally in love with him, um, but Ty Madden exists as well. And of course, Jackson Job, who is incredible, is there right. as well. So there are a lot of pieces at the back end, which might also suggest that maybe the Tigers don't get another depth piece at that rotation. They just go with this that they have now. Um, I'd be surprised if the Tigers honestly deal away Turnbull. Um, two reasons why. One, he wasn't very impressive when he came back last year and too much so that they're like, yeah, let's move on from this. For sure. And two, uh, if he is doing well, then they kind of would want to have that as a depth piece because you never really know with this stuff and they don't want to have to overuse these young guys. Um, Maybe. You see that constantly I, with teams. Yeah. I guess I'm just thinking like, He's 31 years old. They're not going to be good next year if he does come back and pitch well. Maybe they well, are. Which he, that offense is getting better. All right. Well, that's a maybe sign. Maybe they sign our, a bat that they need. Miguel Cabrera isn't there anymore. You know, our confidence it's, level in the Tigers can be can be a question. I, I'm for just I'm just time. saying. We've seen. Yes. This is what I say every year: is that the young teams, their offenses always get better the second year. And yes. don't count out the the Tigers here. Riley Green maybe looking a little bit better. You have Turnbull looking have much Marcana better. Not Turnbull. Um, Torkelson. Yeah, um, I mean, so. unfortunately, they still have Javi Bias, um, but yeah, yeah who knows? <laughs> we're we're gonna <laughs> get on. into um, we're getting into the the pitchers on this list that I'm like super intrigued by because yeah, I think fun. the upside is great. So talk to yeah. me about uh, number fifty six. Yeah, this guy's cool. Um, this is Mason Miller, and this is really the same thing about like Sale and Evaldi. I was saying this is one of the other two. Mason Miller's skill set, I think, is just so good. Um, I love his four-seamer. I know it was just an 11% swing strike rate. I know that's like, wait, hold on a second, but only 62nd percentile in high location. Um, I think it's a really fun pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, also 71st percentile in ICR, which is really good. 
His slider, uh, only a 24% ICR, 96th percentile across all sliders. It was a filthy offering. I saw times where he just debilitated batters with this pitch. Oh, yeah, and there's also a cutter that comes in at 94 and could honestly be an amazing offering as well as a strike earner. There's obviously refinement needed only through 33 innings, but he was so impressive to me last year that when he got uh, forearm tightness and uh, was, you know, went in the IL and then he came back by the end of the year, but I had a memorial for him on Twitch. I was so sad when I saw that news because it was, at the time he was really the most exciting prospect to me. And there's a lot of pushback of like, okay, Mason Miller, how many innings is he going to get? Mm-hmm. How many wins is he going to get? All this stuff. I understand all of that. And that makes a ton of sense. You're chasing wins here. You probably aren't going to get a ton, but Mason Miller, at the same time, a lot of guys you would go for now, you're hoping for like 11 wins. And if Mason Miller starts enough, I mean, on a per game basis, let's say it's, I don't know, half of a chance of a win, which then equates like six wins as opposed to 11. And that isn't such a large gap for me that the ERA and whip and strikeout growth that he would have would not be worthwhile, right? The the second pushback is, well, they're not going to let him get innings. They're going to go four innings or so. And I don't believe that. I think the mm-hmm. athletics are going to say, look, you are not the youngest that we have. You're 25. You're not like you're 21. Exactly. And if you're starting out at camp and you're healthy, yeah, we're just going to let you go every five games and not cut off of four. I rarely see guys get cut off of four innings. Sometimes we do see some piggyback stuff. But I think with Mason Miller, who's honestly the best prospect that they have right now, maybe not uh, um, Salinas. Uh, I know prospects, guys. Roy Bayer, I love that dude. I cannot tell you how much I just love him. I compared him to that older guy that comes to like the high school team and just messes around with throwing super hard and all the junk that only veterans know. And he's like super young. I love the dude. Um, but anyway, Mason Miller. Go get him because honestly, if he's starting out of the gate, you'll be happy that you had him. If you'd only get him for like 80 innings, who cares? We're at that point, remember? The time of Chris Sale, like we're hoping for 100 innings. Yeah, Mason Miller's stuff is so good that maybe after the first start, he'll be like, okay, cool. Here's five innings. Go ahead. Here's 85 pitches. Have fun. And it's going to be so exciting to watch it. Um, yeah. I'm all in here. This was one of the guys I was thinking about earlier when I said, at this point, I'd rather take the upside on yeah. potentially hitting an ace than like taking the so Eovaldis fun. and Charlie like, Mortons of the world. It's like, you know, all, to me, there's risk in all of that. I'd rather take the guy who like, if it clicks, I'm looking at like an SP two yeah. on my know, right? fantasy team. It's crazy. He's the, he's one of those guys. And I think this is so important to draft draft pitchers that you're so excited to watch them. Pitch. Sure. Yes. Let's especially at this point, like you're talking about drafting like the fifth starter in your rotation, like draft a guy that's exciting to you. Get like it, there, there, it. there is the reason there are reasons to draft like those milk toast pitchers that are super boring. Yeah. Um, which is for me, like, you know, we've talked about Chris Bassett so much. It's like I'll plug my <laughs> nose and draft Chris Bassett if I need to in a situation. It is right. not to fill one of the final spots on my starting pitching, especially in like a 12 team format where there's going to be more burning and churning. It's not going to be to draft one of those guys. It's going to be to draft somebody like Mason Miller where I'm like, this is exciting. And here's right. the other thing with Mason Miller. Like you'll know in spring whether yeah, well, you're exactly going to draft right. him or yeah. not, because yeah. the, the A's have been very open about trying to find the best role for him to be successful for them. And so if it's, if they decide that's not as a traditional starter, 
and we'll find. I mean, we will find that out before the season starts, and then you're like, okay, I'll have to, I'll have to readjust. Um, right. But I think if he is operating as a starter, it's because they believe he can be a starter, and then you should draft him, assuming he's going to be a starter. And the upside there is great. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. He has taken over the like fantasy sleeper arm from your next guy who was that coming into this year. And we'll figure out who that is after the break. So coming into this year, one of the guys who was most kind of like one of the most exciting prospects, um, you know, who was going to blow up as a fantasy starter was Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo. Um, <laughs> Lodolo. Oh, no, L- I was like Lodono because it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> my brain was just making making Lodohi. puns that I wasn't intending. Um, but Nick Lodolo obviously had a injury plague season um, and did not that hype did not come to fruition. Uh, you have him here ranked one spot after Mason Miller. To you, is that like a tepid ranking, or is that you still saying, "Hey, there's a lot of upside here that I like"? Yeah, it's hard. Um... I did not know where to rank Nick Lodolo. Uh, you can look at 2023 and his injury-related season, only seven starts, and also came with so much horrible luck. 440 BABIP and a 35% home over fly ball rates. And then otherwise, I mean, it's all the same stuff. Same swing strike rate. That was great at 14%. And same CSW and same PLV. His hit per nine was 13, which is dumb because that BABIP. Um, walk rate was even like slightly better. So... It's well, it's actually kind of funny. I hate XFIP. You know this, but if you look at the XFIP of 2022 versus 2023, it's pretty much the same at 335 versus 356. So just to give an idea of it's really hard to extrapolate from 34 innings. But as far as just what he does, it's kind of the same. And ignore the 629 ERA 175 whip for Lodolo. Now, there are a couple things against Lodolo for me. One, being a slinging lefty. Mm-hmm outlines this volatility that we saw um the whip was high at 125 in 2022 with still not a good homer fly ball rate at 19 percent 113 uh, homer per nine i think that's going to stick around and i'm very cautious of falling into the trap of andrew heaney's and sean Manaya's of the world where these slinging lefties that have good strikeout potential just generally aren't the, the command focused guys that you want and they fall apart a bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried about drafting Lodolo because I will feel I'm trapped in the cherry bomb nature. I'm trying to move away yeah. from cherry bombs as much as I can. At the same time, 28% K rates is really nice. The strikeouts are there and the walk rates are not above 10%. And it could be just so beautiful at times for Nick Lodolo. Maybe he does just figure that out more so. I'm not just just because other lefties haven't worked out in this way. That's sling a bit. Maybe it can for Lodolo, especially if his changeup really turns into that 65% strike pitch and his curveball is a 65% strike pitch as well. I mean, there's a way this does work. I I just don't know if Lodolo is going to be it. And it's going to be anxiety riddled because he has everything going against him here with health, with the ballpark, with the offense behind yes. the defense and just the general volatility. He, he is somebody where you watch and you see it, right? You watch and you're yeah. like, I can see how this is. This comes together in pure dominance. Um, and then there are other starts you watch and like you see the 41st percentile zone rate on the curveball and the 38th percentile zone rate on the fastball. And you're like, he cannot find the zone. And then you have a really bad ballpark 
behind him and you understand all of those risks. Um, and so I, I hear, and that's why I, I'm surprised I have Mason Miller over him, but I do think that those are the reasons, part of the reasons I do is like, I'll know if I want to draft Mason Miller because it yeah. basically just comes down to, is he going to be in the rotation right. with Lodolo? I could see myself going a whole year and going, I love this. I want to cut him. I want to trade him. Yeah, right. I love this. And I hate I that. Want you want to remove that to as a manager. Him. You never want um, to reconsider guys in yeah. your rotation. It's such an important thing. Uh, uh, yeah. And it's tough. And maybe it would. I'd feel differently if he was in a different stadium. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know. But also, like that's an exciting team that's probably going to score a lot of runs and might give him a lot of win potential. Sure. So there, there's yeah. the other side of it too, which is why again we're talking about him here in the mid fifties. Like you're going to draft him in every format it's just a matter of when or where yeah one uh one thing i really do want to note is when it comes to fastballs and really what you call that fastball sinker four seamer i mean savant can't decide uh was a sinker in 2022 it was a four seamer in 2023 both years um its icr was terrible uh 45 essentially for each year um that's ideal contact rate that is bad uh, a sub 25th percentile and that isn't going to go away the the whiff mm. rates not good eight percent swing strike rate this past year 10 percent 2022 i don't see this as an overpowering four seamer as much as i wanted to it could be a product of his approach and his command of it i think he threw too many hittable ones and there are times where he does execute the seven that um that steel has that is upstairs fastballs with inside against righties um but I don't know if I have faith in that from a lefty slinger. Uh, It steals like the only exception, I guess, because that's maybe a cutter and that's why. So ah, it could get better. It really could. It's just, yeah, I think I'm just, it's going to be too volatile probably. And I hate it. Maybe it does develop it. Maybe it gets better. He's only 25. He'll be 26 next year. I don't know. That's why he's right here in this. Maybe take a chance and see if it's working out really well early. And if it's still Mm -hmm. volatile, I'm like, yeah, I'll trade him. And, (laughs) And there's and there's risk or volatility in all of these guys. Like the, the next guy you have, there's risk not in terms of like injury or in terms of ballpark or stuff like that. It's role because we're talking about Michael King, and the reason we have Michael King here is because he joined the Yankees rotation at the end of the year and put up stupid stats, and now everybody is expecting that he is going to battle for a spot in the Yankees rotation, which is something he has not done at the major league level yet. So can he? do it um fan graph stats are obviously skewed a little bit because they have the starter reliever split but starting for michael king also includes those one inning starts where he was an opener so you're not sure. getting kind of like the traditional starter but in 40 innings as a starter he had a 223 era with a 25.8 percent strikeout minus walk ratio and a, a one one four whip and it should be noted that like in September, he was a traditional starter. 31 and two-thirds innings, 227 ERA, 26.2 strikeout minus walk ratio. So even as a, you know, a starter who was going, you know, for anywhere between four and seven innings sometimes, he still was really good in the month of September. And that was against Houston, Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto twice. Like he wasn't getting, you know, Puff matchups. So right. are you if he wins a rotation spot, is this ranking assuming he wins a rotation spot and you're 
buying in or is this with the risk that like he might not have that? No. Okay. So there's a couple things to note. One, um, he actually never acted as an opener. Um, He had 2.2 innings against the Nationals on the 24th, but that was them starting their process of easing him into the rotation. So that was 50 pitches and 61, 69, 79, Yeah, And he he had two innings against the Marlins in early August. I don't. I don't see that, do I? That's he, on the 12th. Oh, he did. You, you're completely right. Three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, we do it by bold. You're 100% right. Thanks for catching that. Um, so, sorry. But maybe, uh, but then maybe that only counts as one. He was an opener once. And then yeah, he that's back the only. Yeah. So we, uh, if you don't know, guys, in our game logs, we highlight um, starters as bold in the uh, the results. And then just to save a column for y'all. And then I uh, and I didn't catch that one on, on August 12th. But right, you can essentially say like, okay, since the 29th, because that's the game that he had 61 pitches and higher. Um, But if you really look at that, I mean, of those like seven starts or so, uh, if you want to say from the the five-inning one on, I mean, he had three really good ones in a row. And that's really what's just changing everyone's perception, I think, of Michael King. That's when he had nine strikeouts, eight strikeouts, 13 strikeouts. It was really cool. It was against the Brewers, the Red Sox, and and the Jays. And the final two games, across 10 innings, it was six strikeouts. Um, one of those games came with five walks and the other one he got batted around by the the Royals. Um, so when I look at Michael King, I see someone with potentially a really like overwhelming slider. And mm-hmm. I say potentially because it still had a 58% strike rate. This is really a sweeper in there. Um, and it's filthy when it works. I mean, it, it's insane, but only a 34% zone rate. Which kind of tells me, okay, the more that you can rely on this as a strikeout pitch as opposed to a this is my strike pitch, the better. But I think Michael King needs to adapt more of, hey, you can't just sling this thing all the way over glove side every single time. Like you got to get this a little bit more in the zone than you currently are. It's a 65% glove location, which is what you want. Just just not out of the zone so far. If you look at the strike zone plot on our player pages, um, the sinker is all reliable. 95th percentile by CSW. Obviously, it's including with times with a reliever, but um, yeah, 70% strike rate. That's good. It's ICR is okay. It's average. This isn't a sinker that we go, oh my gosh, no, this is an amazing thing. It should always have right. a 33% called strike rate. Like, no, no, it won't with a 6% swing strike rate. So then you're like, wait, what else does he have? I'm like, well, okay, the changeup has its moments. Like, this is a 23% swing strike of pitches. But he throws against lefties. This can work a lot, but it's around a 60% strike rate. I don't know how reliable this is to get a strike in the zone. And then you start to really grasp, like, wait a second, I see how this doesn't work, right? Because it's really nice that King has weapons for either side of the plate. The right, right-handers and left-handers are like, you have the changeup and you have the slider. This is how you get them out. That's cool. You do have four seamers that he does like to go upstairs with. Um, he can put them away. One of the highest put away rates um, last year on four seamers, 26%. Normally we see that around 18% or so. Okay. So that is really high. He was efficient with that. Um, I don't think that like sinker four seamer is totally the way to get all your strikes and just go slider change up. Uh, long story short, I think King is very interesting. Uh, I don't know how much I buy into his sinker. Mm-hmm. being this incredible pitch that is just going to dominate. I don't know how much I buy into the slider and change of being all reliable and that he won't, like I see this 7% walk rate, I'm like, yeah, that should probably be higher. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, as a starter, you only have one game above one walk. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like that's, mm, I, we'll see. I think uh, you and I are both going to be low. on. I mean, I have him 54th. 
Um, and I just think after what he did to end the season, I think a lot of people are going to are going to come into the year nuts. a little higher yeah. on right. him. Um, I will say just, you know, again, take the metrics for what they're worth. Uh, defense independent ERA. His was 314 as a starter, 444. Sorry, 314 as a reliever, 444 as a starter. Um, the swing strike rate on his sweeper fell as a starter. Um, he used the sinker way more often as a starter. Um, and the sinker you talked about, you weren't really buying it. Well, it, it performed way worse when he was starting and using it more often than when yeah. he was relieving. Um, I think that he he's going to need to refine the pitch mix a little bit. Um, I just am not... I'm intrigued, but I'm not fully buying in, which I think is why you and I have him here. Yeah. And I think that some people who are buying in to what they saw might have him in the 40s or I've seen him some places in like the low, you know, the the, the upper 30s. And I just can't, I yeah. can't get there. Especially without right the volume that we, we haven't seen the volume yet. Yeah. You know? We've never and seen. He needs we, to get that sinker more inside of righties if he's going to get through innings faster than he did. Yeah. You're talking also about risk, right? Of like. Oh, is Sale an injury risk? Can he throw 120 innings? Is right. you know, is Rodon going to throw 120 innings? Well, this is the first season at the major league level that King has ever thrown over 63 innings, and he threw 104. So, yeah. you are are we really saying he can go to 120? I mean, obviously he's trying to, but that, there's similar amount of risk in saying he can do that when we've never seen him do that before. Sure. Yeah. Um, we're going to end with two guys who I'm, I'm lumping together a little bit. I just want to hear your thoughts and differentiating sure. them. They're two uh, veteran lefties who battled some injuries this year on arch rivals, even though I guess uh, James Paxton <laughs> may not be on the Red Sox anymore. Uh, but it's James Paxton at 59 and Nestor Cortez at 60. I feel like they're, it makes sense to have these guys yeah. back to back. Uh, and I'm curious if you actually are more confident in Paxton, which is why you had him one spot higher, or if it's, if they're pretty even for you, I feel like Paxton, it, it, look, as long as he's healthy and he's going to sign with some team, it's like, yeah, cool. We could use this. He's going to be good in the beginning. Generally, that's what we see. We see Paxton look really good at first and then he gets hurt and move, move on. I mean, great. That's the perfect thing to get. He's like the, the absolute perfect after you have your rock steady guys, because he's a guy you get production. And then you're also able to get the good guys off the wire because he's going to be on the IL, right? That's exactly what you want. So for me, Paxton is like a freebie in my drafts that I just want to get and I feel good right away. And if it doesn't look good, then just move on. You know, this is such an easy play for me to get James mm -hmm. Paxton everywhere. Um, and don't really look at the 4-5 ERA and the one three one whip. He was degrading by the end of it. He was an absolute stud in the beginning. Um, yeah. And it, you really should heavily consider James Pax, especially if he goes to a place with a decent defense. Um, and then there's Nestor Cortez, who, to me, again, lost season, a guy who used to be really good, one of the best induced vertical breaks in VA on his four-seamer. Um, we just really like what he does with that pitch. It deserved a lot of results. Number three in PLV last year, believe it or not, even in the bad year um, for Nestor Cortez, with a 25% strikeout rate. And I imagine he will be healthy. What do you know? On a winning ball club with the Yankees. And that should be a really great situation for him. Uh, I'm much more encouraged by Nestor Cortez now than I was making this. I could argue into having him in the 40s even. Mm -hmm. Because I don't really see... I don't think that all of a sudden Nestor Cortez again is cooked. And I think right. it's like, hey, you just got hurt this year. Okay, fine. 
he's healthy again. Like when it comes to injuries, I think a lot of people are more scared of, um, you know, they're scared after a guy has, has an injured season as opposed to those that had a healthy one. And it's kind of showing a little bit. I mean, I want to see the data on it, but like a player having one healthy season versus having one injured season. I imagine a lot of times the person who's healthy is going to get hurt and the person who's who was hurt is not going to get hurt, right? Yeah. Like they had their thing and now they're going to do it. So I'm not really as worried about Cortez, I think, as others. Um, and uh, I think like there's so much potential in this was the perfect kind of thing you get after you get your first four. Yeah, and that makes sense because like my worries for Cortez were like the swinging strike rate wasn't good. You know, the strikeout minus walk ratio wasn't good. But those are things that can also be explained by battling injuries and not being, you know, not having everything click in the way that it usually did. Um, and I think like if you look at the PLV numbers and the good, the quality pitch, bad pitch, like all that, like there's a lot suggesting that like there's still a lot of value in Cortez. I was never personally a believer in the like two nine two five ERA version of Nestor Cortez, but am I a believer that there's like a three three ver- three three zero ERA version of Nestor Cortez right. that's super valuable for your fantasy team? Sure. Um, and at this point, you know, that is this point in the draft. Um, that's a great it's pick. I think the, to the point you made about Paxton is also really good, too. It's like draft draft guys. Sometimes you just got to we get to a point where you draft them for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, um, and exactly. that's if you're in an IL league or not. Like if you're in an NFBC league and you have James Paxton and you drafted him as your you know, SP five, SP six, and he gives you two good months and gets hurt, then cut him, move on, whatever. That's right. still value that yep. you got. You're, you know, you're not every pick here is not going to be the, oh, I'm going to take Mason Miller and he's going to be an ace and I'm going to just be laughing all the way to first place in my league. Sometimes it's just, I'm going to take this guy and I know when he's on the mound, he's going to be really good. And I'll, then I'll replace him with somebody who hopefully is really good off the wire if he gets hurt. Yeah. There you go. Um, I'm excited to keep going because uh, I know next episode features some pitchers who um, I liked a little more than you did. So I'm excited to to talk about that. So we will get to that on the next episode of On the Corner. Um, I am Eric Samolsky, the Pelican. I am Nick Pollock, the Lion. And by next episode, I will know how to use my radiator.